On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be, rose again, be raised again. Then they remembered his words. Let me add my welcome to that you've already received. A particularly warm welcome to those of you joining us online, and a particularly warm welcome to all of you, uh, many, many people uh, at the back who don't have seats. Uh, I think, I'm not sure this is true, but I, I've got a, a hunch that if you, if you don't have a seat today, you get a better place in heaven. So, uh, so just to encourage you, you're struggling a little bit today, but I'm sure God will make it up to you, and we're really grateful that you're here. He has risen. Three words that change everything forever. Three of the most important words ever spoken. Three words that have completely transformed my life. He has risen. Jesus has risen from the dead. He is alive. And today, we celebrate the truth that Jesus has defeated death so he can offer to us eternal life. It really happened. It's not just an inspiring story or a nice idea. Jesus was dead, he was in the tomb, and God raised him from death to life. Jesus breathed again, and he walked out of the tomb. Simon Gathico, a professor in Cambridge, who's an expert in the documents surrounding the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus, wrote an article in the Guardian newspaper. He said, it is absolutely certain, beyond any doubt, that Jesus lived and died. But the really interesting question is, did he die and live? I worked as a criminal defense barrister for a number of years, and I spent every day looking at the evidence. I would cross-examine witnesses in court and read their witness statements and try and work out who was telling the truth where their stories were true or where they might have been made up. And over the years, you kind of build up a radar for when people are telling the truth. You can kind of hear it, you can kind of see it. And when I read the eyewitness accounts of Jesus' life, his death and his rising from the dead, I think these are true. This really happened. And whether you have been following Jesus all of your life or you've just started following him recently, or you're still actually working out who Jesus is. I want to give you just a few reasons today why I think you can be sure that Jesus rose from the dead on Easter day, and then look at the significance of that. So I'm gonna need your help. Three quick reasons why you can be sure Jesus rose from the dead on Easter day. It's gonna involve you speaking, it's gonna involve your using your bodies. If you're kinesthetic learners, this is great for you. Uh, so are you up for that? You with me, okay? So firstly, Jesus was not in the tomb on Easter day. So Jesus, and then we're gonna look at the tomb, was not in the tomb on Easter day. So say it with me, Jesus 
was not in the tomb on Easter day. The tomb was sealed on the orders of Pilate. It was guarded by Roman soldiers. There was no way in. There was no motive for anyone to take the body. The authorities were desperate to prove that Jesus was dead. So they wanted him to stay in the tomb. And the disciples were afraid and they were scattered. Robbers couldn't come near it. Guarded by elite Roman soldiers. And actually the only thing that was worth stealing, the only thing that had any value, Jesus' grave clothes were still in the tomb on Easter Sunday. They'd been folded up and put to one side. Jesus had gone. He'd got up and left. So Jesus was not in the tomb. Help me. Jesus was not in the tomb. Okay. Secondly, Jesus was with people. Jesus was with people. Okay. You got that? A bit more simple. Jesus was with people. Brilliant. Jesus rose from the dead and he spent time with people. People saw him, they touched him, they ate with him. He appeared on 11 separate occasions over six weeks, on one occasion to over 500 people. Now that's fewer than the number of people we have here today. But if a police officer stopped you this afternoon and said, oh, you match the description of someone involved in a criminal offence, and they said, it was at 10.30 this morning, you might say, well, I was with quite a few people at 10.30 this morning. And he'd say, well, how many? And you could say over 500 people. And I think the police officer would be persuaded by that once he'd spoken to all those people. I represented many people in my career as a barrister. And I did many big cases, sometimes involving millions of pages of evidence. But I never did a single case that involved over 500 eyewitnesses. Because once you get past 50, there's no dispute. It happened. Everyone's satisfied it happened, and you just move on. Jesus appeared on over 11 separate occasions, on one occasion to over 500 people. It was Jesus. He still bore the marks of his cross, and he was with them. Jesus was with people. And then thirdly, seeing Jesus transforms people. So we need binoculars. Seeing Jesus, and then praise hands, transforms people. Brilliant, well done, fantastic. So seeing Jesus transforms people. Jesus' followers were afraid, they were fearful, they were in hiding, and three days after Jesus died, something happened so that they were desperate to go out and tell anyone they could meet, Jesus is alive. To speak boldly before courts and crowds and kings to put themselves in prison, to risk their lives, because as they said, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. So let's do it all together. You ready? All three reasons, back to back, when you're ready. Okay, you ready? Children, you ready? As loud as you can, okay. Jesus was not in the tomb. Jesus was with people, seeing Jesus Transform people. Well done. Amazing. But why did it transform people? What difference does Jesus make? Well, when you place your trust in Jesus, you have resurrection joy and resurrection hope. See, the resurrection is not just good news about an event. It's an encounter with a person. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. And when you come to Jesus, when you encounter him, when you place your trust in him, you experience life and life in all its fullness. And that's what I found. I thought placing my trust in Jesus would be costly and I'd lose more than I gained. But what I found is that a life following Jesus is the most satisfying, the most joyful life you can lead. 
Because he is risen, you can trust him. The angel says, why do you look for the living amongst the dead? He's not here. He is risen. Remember how he told you that the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day he rose again. It matters that he did what he would say he did. And the fact that he did it demonstrates the truth about who he is. Uh, when I worked as a, a criminal barrister, I represented hundreds, probably over a thousand people accused of crimes. It's good that some of you have come out this morning. And uh, <laughs> one of the people I represented was quite a famous singer. She was like an A-list singer. And she'd got into a little bit of trouble and she was charged with a crime. And I'd love to tell you who it is, but I can't. And the difficulty was, it wasn't very easy to prove her innocence. It was just her word. But she was adamant she was innocent. And that wasn't the first time I'd heard that from a client. But you know, we tried everything we could do, every piece of evidence we could dig up, we tried everything we did to try and prove this young lady's innocence. But we couldn't find anything. And as a last resort, we wrote to the prosecution and we said, can we have all your files? Now, it's very rarely, rare that you find anything helpful in the prosecution files because they're supposed to convince people of the person's guilt. But we thought, why not? And they just resisted and resisted and resisted. And then on the morning of the trial, we turned up at court and the prosecution handed me, 30 minutes before the trial was due to start, a pile of paper. They said, there's, there's all our files. And I was like, what, 30 minutes to go, I've got my wig on, my gown on, it's a bit hot. So I'm kind of leafing through this paper thinking, this is a nightmare. Is there any, anything useful? No, that's not relevant, that's not relevant. And after about 10 minutes, I came across this piece of paper and I pulled it out and I looked at it and I read it. And then I read it again. And then I read it the third time because there was something typed on this piece of paper that proved indisputably with certainty that there was no way that she could be guilty of the offence, that she was innocent. And so I kind of grabbed this pile of paper and I ran to the photocopier and I leant over it. But I don't know what your relationship in life with photocopies is like. But, um, <laughs> Mine is, the more important is, the more likely the photocopier will go, no, I'll have that and keep it for all time. So I kind of backed away and I just pulled it out of the file and thought, well, I'm going to risk it, it's too valuable. And I kind of rushed into court. I got into court just a moment before the judge came in. I went up to the prosecutor. I kind of waved it in his face and I said, look, she's innocent. She's actually innocent. And he kind of took a step back and he grabbed this piece of paper and he looked and he said, you're right. And then the judge came and I, I didn't say, look, she's, I said, Your Honour, recent disclosure, important evidence, da la la la. And within about five minutes, she had been acquitted. Now, we all face things in life where we would long to know that we could be found innocent. We've all made mistakes, got things wrong. If you ever want to know how much God loves you, look at the cross. Now on the cross, you're found innocent, not because you have never done anything wrong, but because Jesus, who lived a perfect life, was prepared to take everything you have done wrong on his shoulders and pay the price to win you freedom and forgiveness. If you want to know that, look at the cross. But if you want to know the cross worked, 
If you want to know that it's working still today, if you want to know beyond any shadow of a doubt that you can approach God as a much-loved daughter, as a much-loved son, that you can come into his presence knowing that he welcomes you and he has a purpose and significance for your life, look at the risen Jesus. It's like the cross is the proof, but then the resurrection is the judge saying, acquitted, dealt with for all time. You can know that you are forgiven and you can know that the cross worked. The fact Jesus rose from the dead proves he's the son of God. It proves the cross worked, that son of God loves you and gave himself for you and you can know forgiveness and freedom. That every word Jesus spoke is true and you can build your life on his promises. And that means you can have resurrection joy. When my client came out of court, she was bouncing. She was so excited. She was jumping up and down. It's a very formal environment in the Crown Court. You're wearing a wig, you're wearing a gown. She came bounding up to me and she said, yes, my barrister. <laughs> Give me a high five. And I was like, oh, this is slightly awkward. I've never done this before. But I felt rude not to, so I was like. <laughs> First time in the history of the English legal system, a barrister has high-fived their client, I think. But how much more do we have to be joyful for? Why don't you turn to your neighbor and say, Jesus is alive. Give me a high five. Because of the resurrection, you can have resurrection joy and you can have resurrection hope. When you place your trust in Jesus, because he rose, you can have confidence that you too will rise. Every atom of your being, every strand of your DNA will be renewed and restored. It means that every day of your life can have purpose and meaning and significance. It means that your life isn't just gone in the wind. It has an eternal impact. It means you can live bravely and boldly. It means you can invest your skills and your gifts in this world, knowing that Jesus will return and he will make all things new. It means you don't have to fear bad news because the one who holds eternity in his hand has taken hold of you and welcomes you as his friend. Your future is secure. Death is defeated. Jesus has won. He's vanquished evil. And you have hope and trust that the final word over your life isn't spoken by anyone else, but by Jesus Christ. Jesus, who turns fear into peace. Jesus, who turns brokenness into beauty. Jesus, who turns wounds into marks of glory. Jesus, who turns disgrace into vindication. Jesus, who turns death into eternal life. Jesus Christ, the righteous, my Lord, our Savior, the one who made himself nothing and who was obedient to death, even death on a cross. And so God raised him up and gave him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess to the glory of God the Father. He is the exalted one. He is the risen King and you can encounter him today. In Jesus' name, amen.